Don't worry about a thing. Cause Atticus Health will make you feel alright. Don't worry about a thing. Cause Atticus Health will make you feel alright. If you got a tummy ache or you don't feel right. Or if you have a nasty rash keeping you up at night. Don't worry, <laughs> don't worry about a thing. Don't worry. <laughs> Cause Atticus Health will make you feel alright. Hey, I'm Jane Oakley, a Matilda alumni footballer, number 36, and you're listening to Radio Karen. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of The Non-Operative. This next interview provides us something different to your usual ACL discussions and focuses on something undervalued and often misunderstood in rehabilitation. That is nutrition. While we can get a bit distracted in the d- debate between op and on-op, this discussion brings us back to the main focus of this podcast, getting us back to what we love as quickly and safely as possible after injury. We have a wealth of experience behind her. Trisha Stabanoa provides us with an unapologetically pragmatic perspective on why it is imperative that we refocus and get our diets right to give our bodies the best chance of healing. So sit back and enjoy this expert insight into how to fuel your recovery from somebody who has every reason to know what they're talking about. I'm a dietitian. I um, I don't know how y'all do it in Australia, but I got my uh, inter- I did my internship back in '98. So I've been practicing nutrition for over 20 years. Um, I was in the military, so I was a registered dietitian in the U.S. Army. Um, yeah, I uh, was uh, got credentialed as a sports dietitian in 2007, 2008. Um, had my master's in sports nutrition, added on a strength and conditioning coach certification. Um, and then towards the end of my military career, I worked predominantly with injured athletes, injured service members. Um, and I retired in 2018 and have been doing meh, private practice kind of. Um, I, uh, I'm mostly I'm a swim coach, so that's why I spend most of my time doing uh, because teaching people to swim is easier than teaching them how to eat. But uh, I still do quite a bit of sports nutrition, mostly on myself because I just compete. Um, and then I tore my ACL in 2021, 2021. Um, and so I uh, was able to utilize those concepts on myself. And I did not have surgery to recover from it. I just did the things that I knew were right, went, did the good rehab, uh, a lot of prayer, and um, here I am today. So back to, pretty much back to normal. Yeah. Doing a half Ironman and running a marathon. Yeah. So, yeah. You tick those boxes in life and you can move on, right? Um, yes. Did you, um, so, so really the perspective that I saw the value of I mean, obviously, nutrition has has its value throughout your life every day. But in terms of from the ACL um, and particularly non-operative, the longer term, um, and that wasn't necessarily my only thinking in it, but it certainly was right. Well, I'm going down this pathway. I want to go back to to playing sport as quickly as possible and ensure that I'm able to tickle the boxes on the way. And and my kind of understanding and approach to um, ACL rehab, particularly from a non-lecture perspective, is going through those check boxes along the way. So getting my knee to my injured knee to 90% of my strength of my uninjured knee to start with, and then I can progress into hopping. Then once I've mastered the progress into running. Um, so really in terms of the nutritional benefits is kind of helping fast track your recovery in, in one essence. And we'll also talk about the healing aspects and benefits there but um i guess for the majority of um people that um 
whether they're operative or non-operative, it'd be good to talk about how you see it and what kind of tips you'd, you'd offer someone um, who is trying to optimize their recovery period. For example, they're going to the gym multiple times a week. They're getting a lot of kind of muscle fatigue um, and speeding up that recovery process and also kind of getting their energy levels up um, to ensure they're able to kind of optimize each, um, each workout to support their muscle growth. So the first thing I tell people is that so you're, you're looking at it like you would have two different diets. So if we're dealing with an athletic population, the, what, what I like to say is nutrients that were originally used for performance are now used for recovery. So the difference between performance nutrition and rehab nutrition, it's only the focus is different. The actual diet, with the exception of maybe some supplements, which I will talk about, um, but really not that much different. Now, what may change is, so I'm a dietitian and I'm keenly aware to a, like almost to a fault of what I'm eating. Okay. And my activity level. Someone that's not as in tune to their diet, when what happens when you get injured? You get sad. Yep. Okay. You feel sorry for yourself. Uh, most people, when they get sad and feel sorry for themselves, they eat foods that may not necessarily support recovery. They may drink fluids that might not necessarily mm-hmm. support recovery, but make Guilty. them think that they're recovering. <laughs> so the overall diet really isn't that much different. Protein intake fish oil, like the, all those, you know, fruits and vegetables, um, all of those things are still important. Um, it's just one, the mindset. So now instead of protein being used to build muscle, protein is now being used to repair muscle, um, where the antioxidants may have been fruits and vegetables, maybe have been used to, um, support recovery from training or prevent me from getting sick from training. Now those nutrients are being used to repair the tendon in collaboration with protein and collagen. So the diet, and, and that's why I really stress with athletes is that um, it's important to have a performance diet if you're in competition mode, if you're in recovery mode, like just like a recovery from hard workout, um, or if you're in like legit, I hurt myself recovery mode. Now, your energy expenditure may change if you are not, and it probably will. Mm. Um, there's a, an additional caloric expenditure with, um, you know, walking on crutches. And so there, there is some increased energy burn just from healing, but it probably does not offset um, the energy burn from the training that was occurring. So... Maybe where the athlete was maybe a little bit more liberal with like junk food that may need to be come back or be curtailed a little bit. Um, But the amount of protein that they're consuming really shouldn't change unless they were just not cognizant of it before. And now they are because they want to heal. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I absolutely love that approach. One of the, the ways I kind of framed it a bit for my recovery after the the kind of initial bit where you are a bit immobilized, like you say, you definitely got to adapt your your diet around that in terms of maybe less you know less carbohydrates, potentially obviously less sugars, lots of less bad things that that your body can't perhaps absorb so well and 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 get rid of so quickly as when you're training. But um, once you get past that stage of um, you know that swelling cleared and you kind of get the green light to start that um real rehab hard work which is really hard work if you want to do it well um yeah. is pretty much you take on the role of a bodybuilder almost like you're very concentrated on certain muscle groups mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but ultimately you are following the same process as they are in terms of trying to optimize muscle growth to support the stability of the injured part of your body right so building those quad muscles back up as quickly as possible, but also building the stabilizing, supporting structures around your calf muscles, your, your hamstrings, your quads, huge muscles that require um, a lot of work and a lot of recovery period um, involved. So it's a great way to look at it. And, and also I think is really important. Another thing that that I loved about the non-alternative pathway was taking control and having that power to really drive your own recovery. One of the great kind of quotes that my physio said to me, oh, 
for an elite athlete, they might get back to sport in, you know, three months um, this way. But given you're not, you know, an elite athlete, um, that it'll, you know, you want to manage your expectations a bit more. And I kind of saw that as a bit of a challenge. Like, yes, I'm not an elite athlete. I'm not going to turn myself into one, but I can train as hard as them in terms of building my quads back up, build all that gym work that you're putting in. Because there's only, only so much time you can put into that anyway, right? There's only so many weights you can do on your leg extension or so many squats you can do before you hit fatigue anyway. So for us average athletes is is a really kind of exciting way to approach it of going, right, I can now get in the gym, build myself really strong and come back stronger via this kind of, by pursuing this alternative pathway. Whereas obviously we know with the um, post-operative way it's a lot more of a lengthy um slower restricted um pathway to recovery yeah i you know i kind of you know i kind of probably had a facial expression when you mentioned the elite athletes and and the only reason i i <laughs> am that way is just because you know like the 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 non-elite whatever that makes us um you know a lot of us have different jobs children yeah. family that we have to manage that does I mean, I've seen a lot of posts on that group, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant, um, and I have a torn ACL and I'm, you know, wanting to be active. And I mean, there's a lot of other things in your life that, um, can make it challenging trying to recover and potentially, you know, what makes it more difficult. Many elite athletes have access to, uh, PT, we call them PTs in the States, physio, whatever, um, massage therapists and their own dietitian, um, maybe a cook depending on their level and so then the lay population has to figure a lot of this out on themselves, which can be very challenging. So, um, an athlete's an athlete. We're all humans. We all have the same muscle. You know, we yep. all heal. We look the same. We all put our, our pants on the same way, maybe. Um, <laughs> but in the inside, you know, it's not like an elite muscle looks any different. Well, maybe it look a little bit different, <laughs> but uh, different fiber types. But still, it, it heals. Um, and so what can make the biggest difference is elite or not, how did that individual set themselves up for success before that got injured? And I, I, you know, another common post I see on that thread is, and it's unfortunate, but if you're overweight, one, you're putting yourself at much higher risk for any injury. So um, a lot of people don't recognize that they need to lose weight until after they have injured themselves. They're like, damn it, I should have really taking my health seriously and, and being overweight in and of itself, aging in and of itself is hard on the knees. And so, um, you know, one thing I really pressed when I was, um, at my last army job is to treat everyone like an athlete. I don't care what your background is. Once you come into rehab, your sport is healing whatever injury you have. So when I got hurt, one thing that got me motivated was my new sport is ACL recovery and the the prize at the finish line is going to be healing my knee without having to have surgery. Yeah, and that was a big motivator for me. Yep. Um, and yeah, so. Yeah, and that, that's, that's a big challenge, I think, for a lot of people is reframing your new objective or your new challenge, right? And it's probably a bit easier for someone that, that does, um, you know, really hard um, mental and physically um endurance challenges like like yourself but for for most of us who are uh, happy to you know get out and do a bit of social sport um it is a i think a bit of a bigger reframe mentally to go sure. now i'm going to hit the gym really hard um three four times a week um concentrate on one muscle group and then also do supplementary workouts that are going to stop me from putting on all that weight or keep me um cardiovascular um levels up um, so I think that is a big part of reframing, um, psychologically where you're at and going, right, well, this is, this is the hand I'm now playing with. Suddenly I'm not, I haven't got an ace and a jack in my hand. I'm suddenly holding a two and a nine and in a, in a game of poker, that's all it, it's about. And, and kind of same in life, right? When you, when you have an injury, your new challenge and your new context of your life is really how I'm going to adapt to this and how quickly I'm going to emotionally process that and how well, I'm going to make decisions based on that. And I think making those decisions quickly and well is really key to to getting that rehab right. For me, it was very lucky that um, from the offset, I kind of got exposed to the idea of, of non-operative 
rehab and a lot of the really good principles around it. Um, the one I wasn't really exposed to, but that really kind of came to my mind was how I use um, nutrition. I think a lot of physiotherapists or PTs maybe don't focus that much with their clients around their diet and how they're to support that. So like you said, we are kind of as, as a, as a non-professional um, athlete who doesn't have that um, support group employed around them that you have to find that, which I hopefully is the real value that listeners will take from listening to this interview is that they've got a, a dietitian nutritionist on hand here to kind of give us a bit of um to help us navigate what the best way we, um, we address that. What I really see is an opportunity, right? So for, from my perspective, very basic. I had no real guidance on it, right? My approach was kind of simple understanding of I need to get more protein into my diet, particularly post um, activity. So when I'm hitting the gym, obviously making sure I'm having a protein shake afterwards if I'm not having a meal straight away. Um, I added creatine to my um, diet. So knowing that that... So let's back up. Let's, let's back up. Let's yep. back up. So, because um, you're hitting, you're, you're, you're starting like at the top of the pyramid, Right. And I encourage everyone to go way back down to the base of the pyramid. Start okay. at the base of the pyramid first before you start introducing like, you know, protein supplements are fine, but how is your baseline protein intake? Like, do you really need them? Um, mm. So, but the base, base, base of the pyramid, which a lot of people, including myself, if I, um, I don't drink as much fluid on days that I don't work out. And so one thing that prompts me to drink is exercise yeah. and sweating. And so if your muscles are not hydrated, that's how you carry nutrients to the muscles. So all these nutrients that you're putting into your body, if you're dehydrated, one, you're more likely to cramp and yeah. two, you're not getting those nutrients to the muscles. So baseline really is starting with hydration. Yeah. Um, so I always tell people, I keep things simple, half an ounce to an ounce per pound of body weight. So however much you weigh and oh, it's, y'all do kilograms. In Australia, we're split between yeah. England and America. <laughs> okay. Well, y- y'all do the math, but say, take your body weight yep. in pounds and uh, one half to one ounce per pound of body weight, right? Fluid, right? So then, you know, a lot of people, oh, what about electrolytes? So where do electrolytes come from? largely fruits and vegetables. Okay. That's where you're going to get most of your potassium, most of your magnesium, sodium. We'll talk about later. Um, but the other thing, so a lot of people want to turn to collagen, which I'd like to talk about because I think that has I did, some yes. if you use it as directed, if you don't use it as directed, you just threw your money away. Right. Um, so with collagen, collagen is only beneficial if you have adequate vitamin C in your diet. Yeah. I'm very cautious about not supplementing vitamin C because you can overdose vitamin C and that right. can actually air healing. So if it is so easy to get in fruits and vegetables, just have a few kiwis or what I'm having cantaloupe yeah. and mango. So like just eat fruits and vegetables throughout the day. Um, the other benefit to that, especially pineapple has an anti-inflammatory nutrient called bromelain. Don't take it as a supplement but just eat pineapple every day. And mm. these are nutrients that can help support the healing process. Yeah. So you mentioned protein. And again, I like to keep this simple. Protein is not a post-workout or pre-workout nutrient. It is an all-day-long nutrient because yep. you're healing all day long. If you need 100 grams of protein a day, you're not going to do yourself any good by getting it all in one sitting. So your body absorbs protein in small doses. So here's where there may need to be some behavior change. So many individuals, not just athletes, don't really have a lot of protein, perhaps at their breakfast meal, depending. Mm. Um, So the, the recommendation I give people is 20 to 30 grams of protein three to four times a day. That will meet the protein needs of like 90% of people. Now, a very large individual, maybe you need to go 30 to 40 grams, three to four times a day, whatever. But a lot of people try to do one gram per pound and they try to like maximize it right around the workout. I mean, yeah, that's great. But if you get it three to four times a day, chances are it's going to be around your workout if you spread it out, Mm -hmm. right? 
this help. Yeah. Intermittent fasting is something that a lot of people also like to dabble in um, if they're trying to watch their weight as they recover. Yeah. Uh, the problem with intermittent fasting is you're taking away valuable nutrient opportunities. So if you're going to do an intermittent fasting diet, I would recommend like stop eating at 8 p.m. and then resume your, you know, you can do a 12-hour fast. Yeah. Yeah. That's reasonable. Um, but like trying to do like a 16-hour fast, you're taking away valuable time to get the nutrients in. So then you look at quality protein. So a lot of athletes, a lot of individuals like to supplement branched chain amino acids. Waste of money. Save your money on something else. Branched chain amino acids are pointless if they're not taken with a complete food. So um, milk, cottage cheese, Greek yogurt, um, fish, uh, pretty much all whey protein if you do whey protein supplements. These are all really good sources of branched chain amino I'm not saying branched chain amino acids aren't good. BCAAs, as some people like to abbreviate them. But they're just, if you're supplementing them individually, that's a waste of money. Just eat the food, right? Um, And if you're taking a protein supplement before or after a workout, because it's more convenient, which is understandable, don't take more than 40 grams. More than 40 grams, they call it non-anabolic disposal, which means that it's going to be used as a, be converted to a carbohydrate source and not necessarily use protein. So just stick with, you know, like I said, go back to my simple recommendation, 20 to 30 grams three to four times a day, that's going to meet the protein needs of most of the people. Yep. Yep. Cool. Well, uh, <laughs> except for I'm not concerned about the collagen because I was using collagen protein. Um, okay. So let's talk about collagen. Daily, yeah. Because there's so a lot of links coll- right, to, to supporting muscle, um, tissue recovery or um, tendon recovery. Yeah, soft tissue injury. So as directed, so – First of all, the dose of collagen. Mm. It should be about 15 grams of collagen. Yep. 15 grams taken one hour before a connective tissue health session, otherwise right. known as rehab. So, I mean, if you're, not take, if you're not doing rehab, don't take it. So what I do is I mix up my little collagen powder in my water bottle, or, and I'll have it yep. either during warm-up or I'll have it driving to the gym, whatever. Yep. 15 grams of collagen, one hour before a connective tissue health session. Yep. So that could be twice a day. If you're doing two a days, that yep. could be three times a week. So I generally have my connective tissue health sessions three times a week. Um, I'm kind of in the maintenance phase. And so that's how I consume the collagen. Mm. Okay. Um, there's a lot of, lot of wonderful information there. And, and I guess for a listener and, and, and an application perspective, let's, uh, Let's destroy my processor right here and just and just go through like how we apply that to a a day, right? So most of us have jobs, um, and we'll say for this example that we have a nine to five job like I do. Um, so you get up in the morning, really important you get some protein in that breakfast, whether it's a an addition to maybe, you know, if someone maybe putting a bit of um protein powder in their milk on top of their Weetabix, for example. Is that a good start? Are we are we ticking yeah, yeah, through there? Yeah, and yeah. and then it's about obviously we've got our day's work, so we want to keep our energy levels up at work, our concentration levels up at work. Hydration is obviously going to be key to that, but also this is the chance to get in some of the, that nutritional stuff you've mentioned. We want to bring down inflammation, so some pineapple in the snacks, getting our vitamin C in as well, um, which also believes really good for the protein absorption as as well. Um, uh, in there. Yeah, it helps, uh, helps you utilize collagen. Right. Yep. And we're going to put in our, our gym session where I reckon most people probably put their gym session in okay, at 5 p.m. So okay. we're going to have a lunch and we're going to make sure that, again, really nutritious um, and a, a decent sized lunch so we don't run out of energy when we get heading to the gym at, at 5 p.m. Um, and then around about 4 o'clock, we're thinking about having this this collagen protein shake yeah. that's yeah. gonna yeah. that's gonna also fill us up a bit so we're not absolutely starving once we get in the gym at 5 p.m and already thinking about dinner that's our pre-workout and that's going to help with our recovery then and then like you say you don't necessarily need a protein shake at, at this stage or, or any supplement because if you're going straight home after your gym session um you're gonna have your dinner right and then making sure we have plenty of protein in that i i um it was a 
a boxer. I can't remember his name at the moment, but he said it's like really simple for if you, you want to do fasting or you want to make sure you're maintaining your weight. Um, he had a phenomenal physique without getting too <laughs> overexcited about a boxer's physique. But he said, my simple rule is I pretty much eat what I want, but I stop eating every night at seven o'clock. I don't eat anything after that. And that is fasting, right? In terms of, because you're not, pro, you're not, unless you're going for a late night run or something, you're not really burning much, many calories in the evening and stuff. Um, well, a couple things. So one, um, the best way to prevent from gaining a lot of weight, weigh yourself. Okay. Don't okay. hide from scale. Don't like take it down all the mirrors and wear, you know, stretchy pants. Mm. So you don't know if your belly's getting bigger. Jump on the scale once a week. Don't let it be a surprise. Once a really? week. I, ne- I never weigh myself. I think judge myself on my fitness levels, which is harder to do during, um, you know, rehab because you're not at football training yes. or ten- playing two hours of tennis and gauging how fit you are there. Um, People like they wake up one day and they're 20 pounds heavier and they're like, how did that happen? You don't gain 20 pounds overnight. Mm. Okay. So if you weigh yourself once a week, you're going to get on top of that really quickly. So yeah. not every day, please don't weigh yourself every day. Don't turn yeah. into that. But once a week, get on the scale, same time, same scale, same everything, yep. and just track yourself. Yep. Um, yeah. So, the other thing is, you know what magic happens overnight? The magic that happens overnight is growth hormone and testosterone. So yeah. if you have, if you get adequate, so that's the other thing, like the other baseline of the pyramid that we, we tend to forget the healing powers that happen when you are sleeping. So inadequate sleep lowers testosterone and growth hormone in men and women. And those are key hormones at helping you recover. Mm. So when you're like, ah, nothing's happening when I'm sleeping. Oh no, there's a lot of stuff happening when you're sleeping. So, um, you know, I, I don't like to use other people's magic numbers of cutoff times for eating because everyone has a different schedule. Yeah. So I would just, I like Snoop Dogg and Starsky and Hutch, I lay it out for you to play it out. So what I'm laying out is 20 to 30 grams of protein three to four times a day. You, on the other hand, will play that out and um, see how it fits your schedule, what time you go to bed, what time you wake up, and, you know, yeah, figure that out. Um, any holes in my hypothetical routine that I'd, that I pitched there? Was there anything that I'm missing from that? Um, so the vague part is how much protein you are having yeah. at lunch and dinner. Yeah, because so you're very specific at breakfast, and then we kind of got vague at lunch and dinner. Yeah, I assume everyone has protein within their lunch and dinner because I always do, um, mainly because I'm always hungry, and that's the. The most feeling well, and then part. there's the amount. So I yeah. like to be very um, precise. Okay. Uh, so one ounce of meat, one ounce of meat is seven grams of protein. So uh, again, I'm working in ounces, mm. the American style. So you can figure that out on your unit converter when you go yeah. home. Um, but so typically, like you know, at the palm of your hand is a general rule I give people because if you have a bigger palm, you probably need more protein anyways. Mm. Um, so like my palm is probably about four ounces. And so seven times four is 28. So that's about 30 grams of protein. Um, there are also a lot of like, I get these salmon patties that actually yep. I'm having for tomorrow cause I packed my lunch and that's got about 25 grams of protein in it. Yep. So, um, especially when you're trying to assess yourself, um, you want to get really precise and see how much protein am I actually having? Am am I Mm. overdoing it or, you know, but people tend to underdo it at breakfast and then overdo it at dinner. Yeah. Probably a pretty general rule for most people's diet, right? (laughs) We'll have a tiny breakfast and then a massive dinner, even though the breakfast is fueling our day and the dinner is largely just for recovery purposes and, Um, you're recovering all day and that's that's what i want your listeners to get across is you're not just recovering at the end of the day you are recovering especially um god forbid or if you you know if you did have surgery if you're an active like you just injured yourself Mm. your your body's not like okay i'm gonna start recovering now like it's recovering all day long even on the days that you're not lifting yep you're yep and um 
one other one that, that I tried, um, I can't remember the name of it, slow release protein before bed. So I was often, because I've got a, a, a young son that takes up a lot of time during the day, a lot of my workouts would be in the evening after he's gone to bed um, and kind of getting enough protein in then, like, like you say, it's important to get out throughout the day, but I kind of felt like I needed to top load a bit in terms of if I'd put in a, a hard workout 7 to 8 p.m. and then I want to kind of not too much of a bulky dinner, but I wanted to get enough protein and I felt like I needed to supplement with something before. Uh, I was using a slow release protein just before I went to, to bed to hopefully help um, the release of protein throughout the evening, like throughout my sleep. So obviously that's a great recovery period. Is that that's something you'd kind of advocate for or am I being um, So the term <laughs> slow release is somewhat misleading. Mm. Um, I was, when I did one of my jobs when I was in the military was at a research institute where they actually were able to look and assess slow release versus not. And when they actually looked at it, in their lab, mm. there wasn't really a huge difference. Casein does tend to curdle, so casein protein. Yes, that was the one. Oh, a little bit more. That's not too enjoyable either. But <laughs> that stuff like, doesn't shake well. Yeah. So, and and hence the slow release. That's like mm. you know, um, does it make it any difference after you put it in your mouth? I mean, yeah, not really. Yeah. So. Just as long as it's a complete protein, as long as it has all the essential amino acids, okay. a good source of whey protein, which casein and whey generally are, yeah. uh, or a good source of branching amino acids. So, I mean, whatever. If you want to do this slow release, good for you. But I don't, as long as the quantity is there and the amino acid composition is there. Yes. Okay. Cool. It tastes good. It's got to taste good, you know? Well, yeah. Yes. And when you've He's got like lumps in your mouth, it's stuff. not so. Nice. And I imagine yeah. that's probably not ideal for your body having to break that down when you're meant to be resting. <laughs> so, yeah, well, um, you just have like bubble gut. Yeah, I, I, I think I did have a And few. maybe a little gassy, which your wife may not like that. So. Yeah. Maybe yeah. gassy when um, you're going. Blamed, oh. it, blamed it on the 16-month-year-old. <laughs> um, so, okay, well, that, that, that's, that's really um, good to know. And I wasn't too far off, right? Um, well, how about no, – Huh? How about creatine? Do you think? And I know we're talking top of the pyramid now, right? Like, <laughs> do do you think for for most people recovering? I I just approached it as like, right, I've got a four to six month really intense recovery period here. I thought it would be really good to supplement it for the recovery and enhance muscle growth. So um, that a lot of good research with the creatine and enhancing muscle growth. A um, couple of things. One is the form of creatine. So creatine monohydrate. So you want to make sure that yep. that is you're consuming and yep. that it's not Tick. contaminated. Yep, yep, good. Um, three and to it's five, the cheapest, right? I mean, I don't know. It, yeah. They, yeah. But three to five grams per yep. dose would be fine. Yep. Um, generally, better absorbed taken post-workout. So yep. you do your collagen beforehand, creatine mm. after. Creatine is also better absorbed when it has insulin in your system that's been stimulated. So consuming creatine with a carbohydrate source would be advantageous. So, um, yeah. Um, Mix like, it into I mean, your mashed I mean, potato. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like you could totally do that. Yeah. Um, so ensuring creatine monohydrate taken after a workout. If you're using it for rehab, and it's also a lot of benefit potentially with TBI, uh, traumatic brain injury. So mm. if that is also, uh, and in that case, you know, consuming creatine daily would be optimal. Uh, but creatine, it, the use of creatine is a little bit different. Um, not that it can't do two things at once, like part of it go to your brain and the other part go to your muscles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I personally don't, haven't used creatine. I have a good friend um, who's a little bit older than me that does use creatine. Her um, rationale for it is just preventing sarcopenia, which is um, muscle decline associated with aging. So she's mm. like, she's not that old. She's about 55, I think. Um, but she does a small dose, three grams of creatine a day. Um, yeah. So I just caution athletes, one, get creatine monohydrate, get a clean source of creatine. So it shouldn't be mixed with all these other ingredients, right? A little proprietary yeah. blend. It should be just straight up creatine. And have it with some sort of a carbohydrate source, be it 
um, fruit or mix it in with your cereal or your mashed potatoes or a sports drink or whatever. Yep. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't have to like 30 grams of carb. It doesn't have to be a ton of carb, but yeah. just 30. Right. Well, that's an adjustment I'll have to make. Cause I've been having it in my prehab. I have a, have a collagen protein, um, not prehab, pre-workout collagen protein, um, a probiotic and collagen in it. But I need to switch my collagen out to to afterwards. Um, and um, why are you doing a probiotic? Uh, I've never had great gut health. I feel I've um, I have psoriasis, which is meant to be linked to poor gut health and immune system. So um, I've really been trying to take that. That I have a specific one for skin defense as well. So it's meant to be really good for um, skin conditions relating to autoimmune conditions, which, which to my understanding. Um, psoriasis is so that's my reason for taking um that have you noticed a difference um i've actually only just been taking this one for a few weeks now um i have noticed a difference but i tend to i think with um with any skin condition is need a longer period to kind of look at that and understand the impact and there's so many varying factors right we're coming into the warmer weather here in in Melbourne and I always get hit hard. My psoriasis kind of flares up when we go into the, the winter months, particularly in houses which don't hold warmth very well in, in Australia. Um, so I have a pretty seasonable impact. So it's quite difficult, but yeah, it seems to, seems to be having positive. I, and I, I guess the challenge we have with, with this, a lot of nutrition is you don't always see kind of really instant tangible impact do you. And you kind of, you got to really trust. And I think that's probably why it's important to listen to someone like you. Um, to really be able to trust what you're putting into your body is having the desired impact, right? Because it's not like you wake up the next day and it's like, oh yeah, my muscles are bigger or, oh yeah, oh, yeah my skin's healed. Um, but um, getting that really good routine and trusting it and sticking to it, I think it's probably, I think one thing that, that I certainly tried to achieve throughout my rehab process is kind of set my um, my diet and my routine really early and believed in it. Um, whereas I know a lot of people with the with their rehab, the consistency of how well they're getting their sessions in, how well the nutri- their nutrition supporting that, that can all fall down right if you're not consistently applying them, which is which is kind of hard to take because um, not always most fun going to the gym <laughs> a lot and eating healthily all the time. Um, but do, are you, um, I mean, I'm not a really advocate for this. I think basically you work around your routine, but um, like – cheat days or any any times that you'd you'd because uh, i'm worried people listening to like oh that sounds like a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice in a position where you, you know you just suffered a a bad injury and you already had your your love your sport taken away from you and the advice then is like oh now you got to eat cleaner you can't eat as much bad mm. stuff you can't drink as yeah, much you gotta brush your teeth every day too usually you have to brush your teeth twice a day yeah you know it's I compare it to brushing your teeth. And the reason I do that is because a lot of people like, it's not fun brushing Mm. your teeth. You know, sometimes I would just rather just go to bed. Um, but you recognize the intrinsic benefits of Mm. brushing your teeth. So you don't really complain about it very much. Flossing. Yeah. Flossing is a tough one. Um, so one thing people need to appreciate is that if you're going to do a sport, you're probably going to get injured at some point. Yeah. So name an athlete, professional or otherwise, who hasn't had some injury. And mm. if they hasn't, they probably aren't training that much. Yep. So don't sit there and feel sorry for yourself that, oh, no, you're the injured one. Welcome to the club. Okay. Yep. So stop feeling sorry for yourself. It's a part of doing a sport. Um, you, you now have a new focus. There's more to life than sport, by the way. Um, and allow yourself to go through that journey and make yourself a stronger person. Um, as far as cheat days, I don't like calling them cheat days because that mm. makes it sound like you're cheating. Um, yeah, I treat myself. Actually, yeah. my birthday was last weekend or last week, last Wednesday, actually. And um, I had this huge calzone from Mellow Mushroom. So mm. um, it was, you know, I don't do that very often. I don't eat out very much at all. But when I do eat out, I make sure it's good food. Mellow yeah. Mushroom's like this Italian, like, restaurant um and they have really good calzones mm. um birthday cake i used to avoid birthday cake just because i was a very regimented individual mm. and now i don't avoid it i don't just like 
I planned it out. So my mom bought me a little like small bunt cake mm. and um, I had it after my workout the other day, actually. So, I mean, I, I treat, I, they're planned treats. Um, they're not all the time, um, but I enjoy them a lot more when they're not as frequent. Um, yeah, that's a good point. So yeah. I have, no, I, and the, the, I like the food that I eat. Mm. Um, so I don't really feel like I'm suffering. Um, I make salmon almost every day. I love salmon. Um, it's so yummy and I call it your muscle, a bandaid for your muscle because it has omega three fatty acids. It's got vitamin D. It's got a really good source of protein. Like it's the best food. So I don't, I don't get it in a restaurant because it's really expensive, but, um, but I make it on my own and it's pretty damn good. So I don't really, um, feel like I'm depriving myself. Uh, but there are certain little treats that I, um, that I have, I just kind of, you know, don't have them all the time. And, um, you know, I tell people their diet should be 90% healthy, 10% fun. So mm, I again, like that. Yeah. yeah. To play it out. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think your, your, your point there really is that take fulfillment from the journey you're heading on here, right? Like, so your fulfillment is going to be, and it, and it can be definitely, I, I think that's one of the, as I mentioned, the benefits of the non-operative approach is, is this is a more kind of enjoyable is probably not the word, but fulfilling and stimulating and competitive pathway of that your job is to get really strong. People will literally do this in the gym every day as their pastime, as their release, as after work, they go build their, their body up and take real pride in that and take fulfillment in that and and using your diet to supplement that aids should aid your fulfillment because it's you doing that job better right and it and it's something that you know the aspiration like you say the finish line is getting back to what you love because you've been on this journey successfully you've had that discipline in the your rehab you've had the discipline in your diet and ultimately that those two combined are going to lead you to, to getting back to what you, um, previously, you know, took fulfillment from most before, but, um, but this can be, uh, an enabler in terms of that. And, and kind of the first thing is kind of getting away from that pot of ice cream or sitting on the couch and, and going, right. Okay. What do I need to do today to make my body better? And all these things play into that. And that's what breeds happiness, um, in us, not the stuff that, we short-term enjoy and then feel bad about afterwards, right? And when you call it a ch- like a cheat day... No, I, I mean, I definitely don't, but I know that's, no, no, no. Some, that's the language that's but, used kind of out there a lot. No, no, no. People, when they mm. call it a cheat day, they are already putting themselves in a mindset where I'm yeah. cheating, you know, I'm feeling sorry for myself, or yeah. I'm using this to, mm. as opposed to a treat, you're planning it out. You're, you're giving yourself permission a cheat is almost like you're trying to hide it mm. where a treat is like, you're giving yourself permission to, um, to have something that you enjoy. Yeah. Um, not necessarily as a reward, but more of like, you know, I enjoy having this and I'm mm. going to, you know, plan it out and, you know. Yeah. And, um, just finally, I just wanted to touch on, and if, if this isn't something that you're, you focused on so much, um, then, um, all good, but um, I know I know for a lot of people that the healing process and and it's certainly become something that's become more evident in the kind of ACL recovery community and discussions is the capacity for the ACL to heal. A lot, a lot of things that people are focusing on, they want to give their ACL the chance to heal. Um, now it's really been proven to be possible. What sort of um, dietary um, things should people be focusing on that? Is it is it pretty similar to the rehab, um, or is there any kind of nutritional advice you give people that that really want to give their ACL the best chance of healing? You mean if they had surgery? No, no, no non-surgery. So um, I think a recent study came out. Then what we just talked about. Yeah. So their but their actual ACL being able to to reattach itself and and, and reheal rather Everything than we just. Yeah. Exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's all just a, it, it's all a continuum. Mm. So you have the in, initial injury yeah. and the initial inflammation that occurs, yeah. and then you start the healing process, yeah. but it's all a, a continuum. And so everything that we talked about sleep, you know, um, proper hydration, spreading out your protein throughout the day, 
you know, if you, and back to the supplements, there are kind of, you know, two categories of supplements, can't hurt, might help, and, mm. and then may be potentially harmful. And those oftentimes fall into the pre-workout um, appetite suppressant, right. uh, like uh, muscle building potentially types. But I tell people take a yep. supplement to help you recover from something you did as opposed to a supplement that helps you do something. So, um, like, you know, and, and looking at single ingredient as opposed to like this package deal where it's got all these different ingredients. I don't know what that is, but it probably doesn't matter. Oh, it matters. It definitely Mm. matters. Um, so throughout my journey, throughout all of this, nothing changed in my food intake really. It's just, like I said, nutrients that were once used for building muscle are now used to prepare, repair muscle. Yeah. And, and I think that's a really great message for people, especially if they're kind of losing the sense of identity from not doing their activity so much anymore. You still are, um, you still are the same athlete, the same person you were before and, and that maintaining the same positive habits that you had before that got you to be really great at your sport or great at your activity are the same things that are going to be the building blocks to, um, to get you to recover well. So that's, that's a really nice story that I'm, I'm really glad you've been able to kind of tell listeners and, and definitely makes me feel better. Like I, I avoided all the kind of pre-workout supplements and, and all the, the stuff that you think, Oh, should I be taking this? And it's great to know that you don't need to. And that if you get your diet right, and that's the the focus of it all, that that's what's going to support us to, to get back to, to where we were and also kind of, yeah, add a bit more kind of fulfillment and, and merit to that journey that, that we may feel is just a arduous, get through it, do your sessions. But actually this is part of the the competition that we're in now is, yes. is really nailing our dietary aspect just the same way. And one thing I love about playing sport is game day. Your diet is so good. Like I never eat so clean as, and the day as, after, not so much, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we won't go into that. Or the or the night <laughs> after a, a big victory, but uh, or a bad loss. Um, but yeah, this like yeah, it's um, it's good to know that kind of those maintaining those habits and and that is going to hopefully help people feel good about um, what they're doing rather than feeling like they're kind of marooned on the couch with um, with a, a huge complete change to their life. So. Um, yeah, thank you, Trisha. Yes, of course. Is there anything else you'd like to kind of share with listeners? Any other advice from your journey that that you'd that you'd mention? Um, I think just kind of to summarize, also what you said is that you know we we all have setbacks in life. Mm. Um, they're guaranteed, and it's how you you know. I heard a pastor once say is that you know it's like taking a bottle of um, mayonnaise and squeezing it, and ketchup comes out. So when you're squeezed in life, it shows your true character and it shows how resilient you are as Mm. an athlete. So these setbacks, you can either allow it to bring you down and turn Mm. you and show your true colors of how you are as an athlete. Like when people lose, then you see what kind of an athlete they really are. Um, But when you get injured, you don't, and I have used this myself to be, you know, a better sportsman, a better overall person. How can you help other people? Like people don't want to hear from a dietitian that never tore her ACL. They want to hear from a dietitian that's gone through that and is able to say, this is what I did that helped me. So these setbacks that we have often serve as a way to help motivate other people because it's guaranteed we're all going to have some sort of a setback. So how can you use that to make yourself better, a better person, but then turn around and help other people through that? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's that's exactly the the mindset that kind of helped me through. Mine is that I injured my knee in the first game of the season of my football team. Any that like, and I, I think everyone's learning something when they're going down this pathway because it's not particularly well um, documented or there's not a, a clear process necessarily laid out for you. Is there anything you'd learnt from your journey that you think maybe held you back or that you would have done differently? Um, well, I didn't do strength training quite as diligently beforehand. I was right. mostly an endurance athlete, so I did not do the exercises that I'm doing now. And so um, that, you know, in hindsight, I wish I had paid more attention to rehab 
or to strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. And that's where I caution, you know, look around any 60, 70, 80 year old, like their knees are not feeling good. So, you know, even people that aren't in sport that are just getting older, you know, doing even small exercises to keep your knees healthy is really critical. Um, but yeah, so that, that, and then just uh, appreciating the, you know, if I had known that, yeah, you're going to have some setbacks, um, which, you know, I, again, that you, in life, you're not going to know all the answers. So you can learn and you can share with others and maybe they'll listen to you. And maybe they won't. I'm sure you've, you know, that you, you have a, a son, you said it was a, a little boy. Mm. You're going to tell him some things and he's not going to listen to you. And he's going to be like, dad, you were right. And you're like, well, son, I told you. And so it's kind of the same thing. So, you know, some things I'll share with people and maybe they'll take heed and maybe not. Um, but some things you kind of have to learn for yourself. Yeah, I don't think he's going to join me on the reverse sled pulls um, anytime <laughs> soon. But yeah, I absolutely, and, and my, I was very lucky. My physio had me very early on focused on the strength work and I was very aware that building, um, you know, my quad strength and hamstring, hips, calves, building them all up to be equipped to compensate for for the injury that I'd, I'd had was, was crucial. I think that's been... That was key for me getting back um, quickly, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's different for every athlete, right? If you're playing uh, after my other ACL injury, I was always very focused on the strength work on my legs because I always knew I had to compensate. Yeah, and for that injury, so I kind of had a bit of head start. Oddly, from my previous actual surgery, kind of taught me about that, and um, yeah, so. Yeah, we're all learning. It's a it's still quite a relatively new journey in the world where most advice and, and most support is centered around um, the post-operative care rather than the pathway we're, we've both been on. So um, great to share those learnings. Yeah, it's nice to meet you. You too. Hi, everybody. This is Witch from Spiderbait. When I'm passing through Karam, aside from slowing down to... 50 kilometres an hour and reminisces about doing the Eel Race Road Rumba or the Watley Street Wiggle, I like to tune in to Radio Karen and get down with the good vibes.